Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and welcome to season three of Behind the Message. We're here with Pastor Steve Mickle, as usual, in studio. And Steve, it's a it's a good week to talk about what we're going to talk about because you're releasing your new book, Walking in the Dark. Yeah, it's great to be here, guys. And uh, wow, first first uh, season episode. I feel pretty honored. Yeah. You should. You you absolutely should feel on them right now. Eventually, we'll only do podcast episodes when Steve writes a book. So they're going to be very... <laughs> season three, yeah, season get four. On, I better get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve, this is um, an exciting thing to, to release a new book. and yeah, It feels good, I guess. You know, it's a, uh, my, my sister said, said to me this morning, she's visiting from Alaska, and she said, oh, you must be so happy that your name is on a book. And I was like, actually, I'd rather it be on a different one. You know, this yeah. one was uh, not fun to write, not fun to live through, and um, but and so I'm glad it's done, and I just I, I hope it'll help others so, that have that are going through tough times. So you know? why'd you do it then? I mean, this wasn't the funnest one. It's obviously a huge, difficult area of your life. Why? jump into it even farther and write a book about it. To be honest, Ben, it was the, it was my own healing process. Initially it was, I had to write. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a huge writer. You know, I don't, I don't spend every day writing something. So, um, but I got, I hit a wall and I couldn't, I wasn't processing things very well, um, verbally and cause I'm not verbal either. Okay. What am I then? Um, <laughs> zombie. <laughs> so anyway, I just felt like I had to get, I had to start writing stuff down about what I was feeling and the questions I was asking God and, and the answers I wasn't getting initially. And, and so that, then that kind of formed into a sermon series that we, that I did in back in 2017 or 18 anyway. And then, and then out of that sermon series came this book. And, and that's when I realized that through this sermon series, I realized people need this message. And there's a lot of people that I heard from uh, when I was preaching this series on um, just of their own loss, not just of a child, but every, in every aspect of life that they didn't know how to, how to reconcile the God of the Bible with the suffering in the world. Yeah. And let's catch people up. If, if you're new to the podcast or not familiar with Steve and um, the process that you've gone through, the book is called walking in the dark, trusting God when life happens. And it really chronicles your process uh, after the death of your son in coming to grips with what you believed about God. Uh, yeah. And you asked these three questions, and could you share those three questions about? Yeah, three so C's? yeah, so um, I have a great friend Stephen Hacker who does a lot of uh, trust assessments with businesses and organizations around the world, and he uses this uh, assessment um, regarding um, uh, trust in organizations. Um, are the leaders and the people around you capable? Can they do what they say they can do? Are they uh, consistent? Do they do what they say they can do? And are they committed? Uh, do they want to do? what they say they can and and will do. And so uh, he and I worked on a, an assessment to actually put that toward God. Like, it can is God trustworthy based on those three C's? Is he capable? Can he do what he says he can do in the Bible? Does he do what he says he does in the Bible? Another word for that is faithfulness. And does he want to? And, uh, and so I wrestled those three questions through my own journey about God and... Um, came to a place that was probably still familiar to me from growing up in the church, but it meant more now after wrestling with those truths. Mm. And what a, it, it's, it is really relatable 
which when I read through the book, it was, and I've heard the sermon series, so I, I, you know, knew a few of the spoilers, so to speak. It's, it's really, it comes off a lot more relatable than I had anticipated because I have not experienced anywhere close to the amount of loss that you're talking about, but you're right. There was still things that, um, just questions that I've had for God or things that I have walked through that I am still mourning and I am still processing and have felt some loss with. Yeah. And it, it still, it raises the same questions, yeah. even if the, maybe the level of grief isn't the same. Yeah, it does raise this. And everyone has the same questions, I think, because of all the suffering in the world, whether it's my suffering or somebody else's suffering, we see it, we hear about it on the news and it's like, is God, is God still around? Is he, is he? I mean, people have left faith in God. They've become atheists because of suffering in the world. And so we have to wrestle with these questions. And as I encouraged the, um, the church in this last message last weekend to stay, stay in with God, just stay in the ring with him and work this out. Don't tap out too quickly because I think so often we just check out way too fast. And, and then, we, then we live the rest of our life wandering, like without answers to any questions that we have. Uh, we just kind of like, well, that's just, this is just the way Way it is. And I, re- and I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that this is just all there is, is suffering and then we die and then it's done. I just, there's no way there's got to be purpose in our lives today. And in, in when we're, when we're done here on earth, what's, what's next. And so this book kind of wrestles with all of that in some way. What I've seen with folks, there's a real wrestling and a grappling with, um, is, is this real? Is this God thing? trustworthy, all the questions that you ask. But I've noticed is a lot of people are coming to those questions without the major grief or the major thing. It's, it's sometimes I didn't get the job I wanted. I don't think God is real. (laughs) So to read, I'm, I think I'm at chapter four uh, through the book and I'm, I'm looking at, at your story now and how really life pushed you completely to the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to decide, will faith hold up or not? And it really, contrast yeah. for me, people who, who the slightest thing goes wrong and it's like, well, God's not real. Well, yeah. Cause it's added to so many other things, Evan. I think it's not just that one, I lost a job. It's like, and my, my uncle did and my, you know, and there's this plane crash that happened. And I just think people add everything up against God and the weight of that in their opinion. Um, and, and in my opinion too, at one point, like is that's, it just weighs more than the goodness of God in our lives. That's how we feel at least. And, and by the way, you mentioned push me to the edge. I would, I would say that if anyone, it just didn't push me to the edge of my faith. It knocked me over the cliff and it was almost like hanging off for dear life from on, on the edge of a cliff, you know, that kind of thing where I had to actually crawl back up the, the face of whatever that cliff was to find God again. And I, that's why I would just encourage people to do that. Even if it is just losing a job, I mean, still it's like it hits you. Right. And so, um, um, don't check out on God too fast. I mean, wrestle with the old truths that maybe you heard in Sunday school or whatever and and come to some resolution there. And even if you come to the resolution that God's not that God is evil, wrestle with that one for a while and see where you land on that. You know, if you think God is evil, then play that one out and see if that's if does does experience match up with that one. Because I as I as I make a case in the book, if God is evil, then why does he allow any good? Yeah. Because we see it good all the time. Why would he, if he is evil, why would he allow any of that? You know, so you got to wrestle with all of the, You got to wrestle with both sides of the equation. You can't just say, mm. God's not good. And well, that's that. Well, then if he's not good, what is he? 
you know? So God wrestle with this stuff. And I think, I think you find, and, and, and what I want people to do is not just take the easy road of, well, my pastor or my Sunday school teacher told me this, it must be true. I'd rather them to wrestle it out themselves and come to that conclusion or a different conclusion. And don't people, I think people feel the pressure um, that they can't admit if they have any doubts about what their Sunday school teacher said or their pastor told them once, and they feel like they have to just leave. Like yes. they're not welcome to even be in the conversation if they're wrestling at all. Yeah, because we have churches, most churches are, you know, this. the Bible says it, That's that does it. And we don't give any space. I remember, I remember having a couple of people, it wasn't a lot, thankfully, when I was going through this, um, come up to me and said, you're in sin, you can't say these things about God. Mm. You know, you you got to hold to the truth. You're wavering, and I'm like, yeah, I am wavering, and I'm gonna figure this thing out. And I'm just so grateful for a community like like our church that gave me space to do that. And I think more churches are are wanting to do that. And then they'll then they'll have space for the doubt, even in the midst of faith. Faith inherently, I think the definition of faith includes doubt. I mean, if yeah. it's if you don't have a little bit of doubt, then it's not faith. It's 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 science, and you've proven it scientifically, and there's no doubt, right? But faith is different. Faith is faith because you got a little bit of doubt. Like I might be wrong, you guys. I might be wrong about this whole Jesus thing. And as I say in the book, I'd rather I'd rather be um, I'd rather I'd rather find out that I was wrong than not believe in God and find out I was wrong. <laughs> or there's there's the other side of that too, where it's not science and proven, it's just ignorance. And you just kind of stick your ears, your your fingers in your ears and just say, okay, I'm just going to keep walking this way. I'm not actually going to ask any of these difficult questions. And when I feel pain, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to keep plodding on ahead and, yeah. and ignore everything and put a, a happy face on everything instead of actually facing the, yeah. the depths of it. But And that's the challenge. And that's why um, I tell people all the time who are going through hard, they're going through their dark night. It's the most courageous thing to do is to keep walking. That's the most courageous thing to do. The least courageous thing to do is to tap out. You know, with keep walking and being knocked off the cliff and hanging on, there's a real opportunity for some Lord of the Rings references in here <laughs> that I feel like you should make or we should jump into. I mean, we got to keep behind the message oh somewhat like the message. Are there are there nerds out there with us, Ben? That, that <laughs> they got to be. <laughs> I was a little appalled at my own nerdiness yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yesterday we were in a meeting and probably spent a good 10 plus minutes <laughs> As, as these two, Ben and Steve, just went back and forth on Lord of the Rings trivia, which is yeah. fascinating. Which Ben, I found out, people. is more of a nerd than me. He's actually watched all of the extra footage of the Lord of the Rings extended edition. So not just the movie itself. I've watched the appendices over and yeah, over again. That. I've listened to all the commentaries multiple times. Have you watched the movies with the commentary? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All the commentaries. <laughs> the writers and producers, the cast. I tried. It was super interesting but i was like oh my gosh this is going to take forever and i'm going to be listening to these the director and the actors it was intriguing for a while i make jokes from those versions (laughs) and i don't realize until i've said them and everybody looks at me and i'm like no this is a popular reference oh it's from a cast commentary (laughs) that's so rivendell (laughs) what What does that even mean Evan, don't try. Oh, don't try. Right. Right now. I'm trying to dip in my toes here. Let's talk about sports. No, let's not do that either. Oh my gosh. So, so you did it, Steve. You you looked into it. You didn't ignore it. Um, you didn't just say the the Bible says it and that settles it. You yep. didn't. You didn't. Um, 
try to put a happy face on everything. You faced it in a very personal way and in a very public way. And you faced it now through the process of writing the book and asking all the questions and just digging into it as hard as you could. Um, Has that been good? And what is it like on the other side of, of immersing yourself? I looked into the abyss (laughs) and I found Jesus there. I mean, he's not absent from those dark places. You know, I think we, we think that we're alone. I, I know I felt that way. I felt like I was alone um, through a lot of the journey. Um, Suzanne just posted something on Facebook, my wife, about how she thought she lost me and, 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 and at a certain point in the journey. And, and what I found in the abyss was Jesus. And, um, and so that uh, on its own, in its own, in its, with its own merits, is worth, is worth it all. You know? And if, others, if I can help other people find Jesus in the abyss, that would be... Um, yeah, that's enough for me for this book, you know, um, that that's my deepest, deepest desire is that they would find him there. Um, and, 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 and I'm quick to say that he doesn't solve all of our problems. You know, I still don't have my son here, you know, and, and everything doesn't just go back to normal. We're not as happy as we were before, you know, it's not as easy as it was before to find joy. Um, but, um, I know that he's with me and, uh, and that's good. And I would say it's good enough. Do you ever feel uh, like, not the private side, because privately um, you're always going to miss your son. I um, mean, you talk about that, how it's like losing a limb. Yeah. You, you never get over it. Yeah. There's never that, oh, we're finally done with that, yeah. that processing. Yeah. But do you ever fatigue of the public processing? I feel like you're always in front of people processing. <laughs> I guess you could ask, I wonder if they fatigue. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of tired of that, to be honest. This series that we're now in again um, is rough for me. It's just like um, I want to. I just I, part of me wants to just like steal away and and uh, during this season and not talk to anybody about about it uh, for a while. You know, it comes up all the time anyway, right? I mean, it comes up in my messages. I'm different. I'm a different person. As I said this last week, I'm going to walk with a limp for the rest of my life, and so it's going to come out in everything. But this particular season you know, when it's, you know, next, next week is Chase's third anniversary of dying. And it's just like upfront personal and I can't escape it. And, and so part of me wants to like, I just don't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. You know, I, I even had my mother-in-law, she came up to me uh, just yesterday or Sunday and she, uh, she grabbed me and said, you can talk to me, Steve. And I'm like, I just don't want to talk to anybody really, you know, <laughs> and, respectfully. No, <laughs> and welcome I, to just, the podcast, I love Steve. that though. I love, I love that she, she has that desire and people do. Right. But there's a point where it's like, yeah, it's just me, um, my wife, uh, my kids to some degree as well, and and my Lord, you know, and then and that's kind of okay. That's enough for me. And um, and I and I recognize that there's some people that don't even have all of that, you know, to as they walk through their own dark night. And so, um, to find people that you can trust to share with is important. Was the limp thing a hard conclusion to come to that you're going to walk with the limp for the rest of your life? Because I would imagine that could be hard for somebody who's preached for a long time and been in the church for a long time, it might even be, maybe it's even hard for some of the people who have heard that this last week to be like, yeah. well, no, but we're, we're looking for this full restorative healing, Steve. Like yeah. we're, not, we're not looking for a limp and that's not, that's not the goal. Right. Yeah. So if I had lost a leg, am I going to walk the same? I mean, I think that's, people want the leg to come back. 
they want the limb to grow back and everything look look normal again and but you know you've seen people that have fought in iraq or whatever and they come back without a limb and they don't look the same they don't feel the same they don't walk the same they don't it, it's it takes an adjustment and it's never the way it was before so we love to say that jesus is our deliverer and he is but it's not in the way that we think and so yeah it was really hard it was really hard to come to terms with that ben and then it was really freeing <laughs> once i came mm. to terms with it i was like oh i don't have to keep trying to be something i'm not i don't have to keep trying to be better than i am i don't yeah. have to keep trying to be okay when i'm not okay and that oh my gosh if we could all just live in that that space it's freeing it's like i don't have to try to to prove myself i don't have to try to show everybody and i don't have to try to defend god's greatness either i, I mean that was something I, I was trying to do in the book actually um and i hit a wall and because all my all my reasoning that god is good and trying to justify it and trying to prove that he is um was like it was falling short and finally god just said just tell people who you think i am steve and leave their conclusions up to themselves. And so that's a lot of what I do in chapters four, five, and six. They're heavy chapters are hard to get through. They were hard to write. Um, and it's so much just what, what God says about himself. Um, and you can choose to believe it or not to believe it at the end of the day. Yeah. You quote C.S. Lewis. Uh, a lot. I love C.S. Lewis so much. <laughs> uh, from a grief, a grief Observed, one of the quotes you use is, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered time after time. He shatters it himself. He is the great iconoclast. Mm. Could we not almost say that this shattering is one of the marks of his presence? The incarnation is the supreme example. It leaves all previous ideas of the Messiah in ruins. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm so glad I included it in the book because it's, it's like... Um, I thought I had God all figured out. I mean, I really did. I mean, I, I, you know, and, and through this process, it's just, he shattered, he shattered my view of him and put some pieces back together. Um, I wasn't left, you know, stranded without knowing who he is anymore. But, but now, um, now the picture is, it, it's almost like broken glass that's put together and there's still probably spaces and gaps that, right. That I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I got that one figured out still. And, but, you know, there's a couple of things I do. I do have figured out, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and I hope, I hope, I hope what I believe is right. Like when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you where you can be with me. Um, I hope I'm right on that one. Um, I hope he, I hope he was telling me the truth, not just for me, but for Chase, you know, so. So you're going to do all this again, Steve? You're going to write another book? I need a cleansing book. I need to write a book that's really happy, <laughs> just like full of joy. And... Like water parks in the Western United States. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Uh, podcast listeners would love some ideas about books that I might write that would, would bring me uh, some joy and happiness and, you know, silliness. Um, you know, I think I do need to get I do need to write more. Um, and also about who I think God is. I think that might be helpful for people and give some tools to for people when they do get in the ring to actually um, wrestle with God in a way that's productive rather than just, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep boxing for the rest of my life because that's not good, you know? And so, um, yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm still processing that, you know, in the midst of this project, it was just hard to think through, you know, I think some people that are actual writers, they, they're writing two, three, four books at a time. You know, they got stuff going all the time. But for me, it's like, I got to get one thing done before I start the next thing. Yeah. Well, and 
the, the thing that I love about this entire process is that I think I used to be afraid of the spectrum that is following Jesus. The idea that something like Bob Goff's love does can exist in the same universe as walking in the dark yeah. uh, bothered me a lot. Yeah. I really wanted to stick on the love does side of things and water parks of the Western United <laughs> States, you know, like a book cover with balloons on yeah, it. Right? It, it. That's what I'm saying. And the, well, even C.S. Lewis, you're talking about a grief observe and surprised by joy and the spectrum that C.S. Lewis describes when you just read all the way through his writings, everything from fantasy to yeah. really intense theolo theological discussions. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's an incredible opportunity that we have to, embrace this wide spectrum of questions and doubt and joy and victory. It all exists. I mean, it, clearly in scripture, but especially in our lives. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, I, I've thought about writing, writing fantasy stuff. Even I've thought, I wonder if I would even do well in that genre, you know, because it just takes you, it takes you from like everything so real in this life, right? I mean, it's just like in your face and you got to deal with it. And fantasy helps you paint a picture of other possibilities and other meanings of real life. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's probably why you've been, and I gravitate towards Lord of the Rings, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah. Chronicles well, of Narnia. As Aragorn once said to Gandalf, um, just kidding. Evan, I'm just impressed that you said. know oh, the man, character's man. names. I, just, no, I don't know what <laughs> We really should include Mike Alexander in this conversation oh my just for kicks and giggles. So our executive pastor here at Westside has never watched any of the movies. So yeah. I got to, I don't even think I, I, I thought I'd help him do it, but now I'm like, oh, I don't really, I don't really want to sit with Mike and watch these movies as he groans and moans and like, oh, I imagine so Mike boring. just starting to shake, you know, about an hour in feeling a little claustrophobic, feeling stuck with us. And right as I'm sinking into the couch, he just wants to go for a run or something. One thing we haven't mentioned, Evan, about the book is um, Stephen and I did create this trust assessment that's available online at the book's website, walkinginthedark.org. It's a 15-minute assessment, and you just you get kind of a yes or no question. You get to pick where, you've, where you're at in, that, in this particular moment with two choices, like 15 or 20 questions like that, that, that give you, will give you an idea of how you trust God right now. Where are you at in your trust in God in those three areas, in his capacity and his commitment and in his uh, um, consistency. And so, so I would encourage people to take that assessment and kind of see where you're at and don't get discouraged by it. If you, if you score really low, you'll actually get a, like, one of my chapters on that particular topic to help you walk through that journey, but don't be discouraged by that. Cause I was at zeros all the way down on, on my, when I was in the darkest place, I was like, God's not faithful. God is not uh, coming through for me. God doesn't love me. God, you know, God isn't all powerful or if he is, he's evil. You know, I went through all of that stuff. So, so I would encourage people to take that assessment, see where they're at and see kind of where they might lean into over this next uh, few months in their own life. Yeah, I'm taking the the assessment, and I think it's important too when you're taking. You know, and this is true with personality tests or whatever, but just go with your gut on it. Don't try to think what's the right answer here. Yeah. Oh well, I've always been taught that God is faithful in this, and but just go with like right now. Yeah. What do I feel about God? Yeah. Honestly, it'll be more helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you have two more uh, weeks. Uh, this week obviously is going to be a a heavy one for you on the anniversary of Chase's death, Father's Day. You're speaking um, about this book and, and the message. How do you how do you prepare going into these weekends <laughs> for these so, messages? It's so awful, you guys. I mean, I, this is a horrible promo for <laughs> the messages. There, 
last weekend was really hard. It was so hard. I had to recount my agony. Um, and I felt like I needed to bring everybody kind of together back to that place of darkness. So that was God awful. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. This weekend, Father's Day and the next weekend, um, especially the next weekend, two weekends out, so hope filled. I mean, it's like what I see now, where I where I'm from where I'm standing, um, how I see God, that's this weekend. And then the following weekend is how I see my life and my relationships and how important they are. And so it's really gonna be, even though it is the third anniversary of Chase's death, and I'm sure there's gonna be something hard about that. Um, obviously, I think the the content of the messages are extremely hope filled and like we can we can believe in some things and have some assurances and we can stand on some solid rock and then also man we we have a bright future yeah i mean you know you lose one you lose something they're not gone forever that's one that's a an entire chapter in my book about where chase is two it's like wait, I have, I have three other boys. I have my wife. I have family. I have this incredible church community, so much to look forward to. Um, and so that's, you know, that's the second week of the, the third week in the message. So, yeah. And, and the book too, to plug it, it isn't a read where you're like, oh man, now I'm so sad. Where's Bob Goff? When I need <laughs> yeah. him. You know, it, it's, it's laced with hope and laced yeah. with that message yeah. of hope. And even, I was thinking when you mentioned Bob Goff, you know, mm. uh, even in his books, yeah. uh, he talks about, you know, uh, ministering to these witch doctors who yeah. murdered all these children. And, yeah. and so there is a certain beauty in all of this that out of grief yes. and tragedy, yeah. if God is present, uh, there's hope. There really is. And I used to think I had to get through the dark to see any any semblance of light. And now what I've realized is that there's little points of light, even in these dark places that um, bring you hope and assurance that, that you know, the sun's going to rise again. And uh, it's not just going to rise again on that day, you know, when Jesus comes back and we get to experience his presence, but it's going to rise on this day and we can anticipate that and expect that and long for that. And, uh, and then when it comes, we're like ready for it. We're like, oh, wow, this was the best day ever. I mean, there could still be a best day ever for me without Chase. I mean, you know, and why not? Because that's who God is. And he wants to, he does want to produce beauty um, out of, I think, uh, one of the scriptures out of ashes. So, yeah. And this this is the area of life where the most important stories happen for everybody when you're in that process or on the way to that great destination. You know, I uh, worked for a newspaper for a while and you know, even just had the thought of, okay, I want to write and be on the front of the sports page and be published. And, and I, for a little while, I was taking out trash and, um, writing obituaries for people, (laughs) which is like, talk about a long day for a 20 year old kid, you know, like it was some rough times. And, um, and I just remember myself being caught up in, Mm. oh yeah, I'm not doing this. It was almost like, I'm not working for a newspaper yet until I'm doing this. And coming to the conclusion of no, this is this is this is it. This is living. It's well, I'm not living yet until I have the job. Or no, when you're still trying to make the money so that you can start the food truck that you want, or that you can create this life that you want, you're living the entire time along the way. And really, those lessons and stories that you tell from the taking out the trash area of your life yeah. have a tendency to to really have more of a dramatic impact than the ones when you've arrived and made it. Yeah. 
I love uh, one of the books I quote often as well as Jerry Sitzer's uh, uh, Grace Disguised. And he, um, he talks about, and he, and he lost several family members in one car accident. And he talks about how that he knows that this chapter in his life is going to be a very bad chapter. It will never be a good chapter. You'll never look back on that. Oh, I'm so glad that happened. That will never happen. Right. But it'll be, but what he believes for and what I'm believing for, for me and for everyone that's walking through a dark moment is that this will be a very bad chapter and what will end up being a very good book. And I'm believing for that for me and for all those that, um, that are going through some tough times right now. Yeah. And speaking of very good books, Walking the Dark, you're going to have it released in person yeah. uh, this weekend. You're going to be signing books. going to be signing at, books. At we kind of waited services. for a public release until Westside here at Westside Church because I really, this community has been so instrumental in helping us navigate our pain and I wanted it to kind of, I wanted them to get kind of first dibs, but it ended up being up on Amazon early and so people, some people have gotten it around the nation uh, on Amazon, but it's available on Amazon.com. It's on, available on Audible. So I, I read the book, um, which at some point maybe we can talk about in another podcast, what that was like I'm actually reading my own writing and such yeah. a painful journey and uh, but it's available on Audible for those that like to listen to their books or iTunes and then uh, on Kindle as well. The search for Walking in the Dark with Steve Mickle. I want to read uh, Dr. AJ Swoboda's praise of the book because it's it's high praise. Yeah. If I can say that way. <laughs> yeah, man. But he says this, he says, Steve Mickle's Walking in the Dark reads a little like Bonhoeffer, Martin Luther King Jr. or St. Paul's writings from prison. The pages herein are drenched with pain, grief, reality, and utter hopefulness. The man who wrote this is the same on the stage as he is in the living room. His story is true, his testimony is honest, and his pain is redemptive. A must-read for anyone confused by God. Uh, So I I would encourage all of our listeners, um, whether you need this for yourself, you need it for somebody else who's walking through uh, a difficult time, or you have doubts about, is God trustworthy? Is he capable? Uh, Is he consistent. Buy this book, buy it on Amazon, uh, buy it for a friend, get it on Audible. Uh, But let's support what is happening here through uh, Steve's life and ministry. And uh, let's blow his sales expectations out of the water (laughs) this week. Which are pretty low anyway, so. <laughs> so, so at least seven books to blow. I keep looking on Amazon at the little, you know, how many books are selling. And I keep telling Suzanne, you know, I'm a $300 author today, Susie. <laughs> Did you ever think that you'd be marrying You're a, a West Side Church bestseller right now? <laughs> oh, I don't think that. I think Bo Stern has more. <laughs> I, will, I will never beat Bo. So. You're in the top five of West Side right authors. Right now. Right now. <laughs> and then Pastor Ken just released his book too. Uh, which is great. I love that. Uh, the former lead pastor here. So there's just a lot, lot coming out of yeah. the body right now and several other authors in our church. Actually, we, we, act, we have a, a section of local authors in our bookstore, The Rock at Westside for all those that come out of our church that have written books. Um, Dirk Zeller, um, Ken Johnson, Bo Stern, um, Shelley Maurice Meyer, there's others. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But don't buy any of their books. Buy Steve's <laughs> yeah. this weekend. That's what we're pushing today. Good talking about this with you, Steve. Looking forward to the next two weeks. And uh, as this book goes out and reaches a lot of people walking in their own dark uh, nights of the soul, I'm just really expecting uh, God to use this in a powerful way. So we'll talk about the audio book next time. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.